In the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Has anyone in here ever done improv before? Yeah, see a couple? Got some people back here, yeah, yeah. A little bit? Every Sunday. <laughs> Nick says he does improv every Sunday. That's comforting, Nick. <laughs> well, in improv, and I'm not an expert, but um, we learned a lot, of, we did a lot of improv in one of my classes in seminary, interestingly enough. Um, and in improv, there is an idea or a way of thinking called yes and. Anybody ever heard of this? Yes, yes, and it's a really good practice. Um, it's a way of thinking that undergirds improv because improv is not a competitive sport. Like when you are doing improv with someone, you're not trying to compete against them or make them look silly or shut them down. You're trying to create something together. So yes, and thinking assumes that your, part, your partner in improv is contributing something that you can take and expand upon. So whatever they say, say, and usually it's something you know funny and kind of off the wall and improv, um, whatever your, your partner says, you say yes, and, and then you expand on it. And the idea is that together you create something that neither of you would have come up with on your own. But sort of this creative power of collaboration takes you somewhere interesting and funny and new and different. Whereas if you were just on your own or trying to make them look silly, it wouldn't really work. It's this collaborative energy that you have together. Um, I was talking to uh, one of our amazing choir members who does improv, and uh, he was saying, I like to think of it as a way to encounter a new person. Like you say, oh, this is who you are, yes, and, and you're sort of open to having um, new experiences for your mind to be expanded. And it's um, a wonderful just posture of acceptance to the world. So let's say you are um, doing improv. Let's say Nick and I are doing improv together just for funsies. We do it all the time in the office, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and Nick's starting premise, said, like Nick's like, I'm an alpaca. I'm like, okay, okay, Nick, yeah. And I might want to be like, no, you're not. You're clearly a guy and you're a priest. You're not an alpaca. But because it's improv... <laughs> What a wonderful alpaca you are. Because it's improv, I say, yes, you are an alpaca. And I'm a llama. And sometimes people think llamas and alpacas are in competition, but I actually think we have a lot in common. And Nick's like, yes, we have a lot in common. And we're good at different things. Like, I have this beautiful fine coat that makes a good wool sweater. And you're really good at being a pack animal. And I'm like, yes, you do have a fine coat. And yes, I am good at being a pack animal. And we could go on a journey together because we're good at different things and they're kind of complementary. Like if someone gets cold, you can provide the coat and I can provide you know, the carrying power. This is breaking down quickly. We're not really doing improv. But you see how like, you end up someplace that you never would have on your own if you're saying, yes, that's, that's true, I see that. And, and then you add on to it and expand upon it. So uh, let's go next to the story that I just read from the Gospel of Matthew. This is a story that can be troubling to us because Jesus responds to the woman in a way that doesn't sound very nice. Um, but to sort of 
have the lens of, of scripture and where we've come from in the Gospel of Matthew, it's important to remember that a few chapters earlier, in, the, in chapter 10 of Matthew, Jesus sent the 12 out with these instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. So, so far in the Gospel of Matthew, they've had a very clear mission. And Jesus repeats it in this story today. Um, Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And if you encounter someone who doesn't want to hear what you have to say, just move on to the next people. No need to, to carry on there, just move on to the next. Don't go to the land of the Gentiles. We've got a mission to do. Here is our work that we're doing. And so when Jesus responds to the woman in this passage, he's following his own instructions. Like, this is who I am. This is the job I've been given to do, to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And I want to posit to you that the woman, the Canaanite woman in this story, is a master improv actor, master improviser. She... Um, is from one of those Gentile lands. And she comes out from that area to meet Jesus as he's sort of on the border between Gentile and Jewish territory. And she comes up to him, and the first thing she says to him is, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. She comes out to him and says to him, yeah, you're the Lord, the son of David. You are the one they've been talking about, the promised one, you are the Lord. And that's a huge statement for her to make. So she sees who he is and has already accepted it. The response to her is the disciples are like, she's shouting at us, please send her away. And then uh, Jesus says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now this is maybe a curveball for her, or at least not what she wants to hear. So with that statement, she could give up, she could go away, but she doesn't. She says, yes, that is your mission, yes. That's who you are, that's your mission, and here's what else is possible. And here's what your mission means beyond that sort of one scope. The overflow from what you're doing can flow over into, onto more people, into more places. She says, even the dogs under the table eat the crumbs that fall from the table. Yes, that's who you are, and look what else is possible. And they kind of engage in this improv of sorts. She accepts who he is, she's knelt at his feet, and in good faith brought to him who she is and her request. And she says, um, and she does that sort of yes and. Now this creates a shift in the dynamic. And Jesus says, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. Now there are um, lots of interpretations of this passage that, that can make us feel better about the way that Jesus behaves in this passage. Like, it, it is um, one interpretation to say he knew all along what he was going to do, and he was sort of drawing this out of her. That's one interpretation. I think one that can be more fruitful and illustrative for us in our time is that um, Jesus is modeling having your thinking expanded, He is able to sort of receive this woman and who she is and this encounter with her expands his thinking. 
and their mission from there on, from there after, changes and expands. I think in our time, it is really good to have an example from Jesus that it's okay to expand our thinking, to change our minds, to allow each other to sort of affect, to allow Nick to affect me, and for Nick to, you know, to be changed by our encounters together as I learn more about who he is, to allow that to uh, expand my thinking. I was studying this and remembering um, at some point in our political culture where it was like the worst insult ever to call someone a flip-flopper. Do you remember that? Like, she's a flip-flopper, or he's a flip-flopper. She voted this way, and now she's voting this way. As if it is the worst thing in the world to grow and change and sort of see a new way and change your mind. Like, as if that isn't a sign of maturity and paying attention to the world around you. Jesus is sort of modeling, like, okay, I have this mission, and with this interaction, now it's expanded, and now it's expanded, and this mission has broadened. There is so much in our culture that encourages us to just sort of have the way that we know and want to stick to it and to not allow our thinking to be expanded. I have been... um, I have a strict policy of not reading comments, you know, on news articles or any of those things. Like, just don't read the comments. It doesn't lead you anywhere good. It's never good. But we've been in the Women's World Cup, and I can't help myself, and I've been reading the comments, and they're so hateful. (laughs) And it's part of our culture, it seems, to want to shut somebody down or point out where they're wrong or make them look silly. Like, it's almost this game that we play to shut each other down. How much more fun How much more interesting, how much more creative is it to have this approach that the woman has and that Jesus has in this passage? Like when someone comes to you in good faith with who they are, even if it's not quite familiar to you or it's a challenge to you to say, yes, this is who you are and I wanna learn more. This is who you're telling me you are. I don't quite understand it. I wanna learn more. Let's, Let's keep engaging, let's keep interacting. There's part of being the household of God that calls us to learn how to engage this way with each other. It is very easy in our culture to live in a little silo, to we know it's easy to have sort of that echo chamber. How boring, how much more fun, how much more interesting to come to each other in good faith and say yes and Like, yes, tell me about who you are. Or, yes, you are strange to me. That is very odd. And it's kind of great. I want to learn more about it. I wonder how we can coexist, how we can engage with each other and come up with something new. And how we can each grow and learn and become something we wouldn't have without each other. We need each other. And part of being the household of God is seeing that and agreeing to that. Yes, I'm going to try that with you. We are about to baptize um, five babies, and we don't really know who they are yet or what they're going to be like. I'm sure you see flashes of their personalities already, but we don't know who they will become. But as the household of God, we are promising to receive them into our household. Like in a little while, you will all say, we receive you into the household of God. And part of what that means is saying, We want to learn about who you are. When you tell us who you are, we want to listen. 
Tell us about that, what that's like for you. And then I'll tell you kind of what that makes me think of. And together we'll learn and grow. And maybe that's easier to think about doing with a sweet little baby than it is with one another, but it's also true of each other. Like we are all in this together. Help us to see who you are, how we can encounter one another and grow and change and learn together. That makes for so much more fun, such a more beautiful and creative journey that we can take together as the household of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.